We are in the book of Deuteronomy. I am getting a real blessing myself. For years I've avoided teaching Deuteronomy. I am really getting a blessing preparing and think, reading through and studying it, learning new things. We are in a special section. Every section in Deuteronomy holds its own. Deuteronomy, the whole book, is really a contract. From the ancient Near East, all the nations had different contracts with the master, with the Lord, with a word they called the suzerain, who was over everybody. He was the suzerain, he was the Lord, he was the master. They had the servants, the slaves, and they're at a contract. And all the ancient nations and cultures had that contract. So God gave Moses and the Jewish people a similar contract. Of course, God is different than all the others. And in the book of Deuteronomy, it's just a big, big contract between the suzerain, the Lord, the master, and his subjects. God is a benevolent, loving, heavenly father who said to Israel, if you do what you're supposed to, follow me, worship me, obey me, then I will bless you, bless you, and bless you. In the beginning, God does normal, a little what we call prologue, you know, just a little intro. Then God does a little bigger prologue or intro and gives the history of how he brought, up, brought about the nation of Israel. And that's in chapters, Deuteronomy chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. And he gives you a little history from Abraham to Isaac, Jacob, and through Egypt and out of Egypt and into the land. You see, because Moses is about to die, he's writing up the suzerainty contract for Israel. Forty years they've been in the wilderness. And now Moses is saying, you're going into the land. Here's your contract. Israel, between God. So he gives them a little history how they got there. Then for the first chapters, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, God generally says, be loyal to me. Worship me. Love me. Chapters 12, 13, 14, 15, God starts saying, now here's how you do it. Here's the specific commands. And we went through that. Now he's in a little spe- another section. This section, God is trying to tell us in Israel This is how I want the government to run. God says, I'm always in charge of the government. Most nations had what we call a monarchy, a king, who was usually evil and did what he wanted. And very, very few good kings. There was one, as we've heard today, by the name of Melchizedek, but not too many good kings. But God always wanted Israel to have not a monarchy, but a a theocracy where God ruled. God was the ruler, and he would raise up leaders. And his form of government stood for three different groups. There was a king, a prophet, and a priest. All the time, they were supposed to realize God was the real king. So, last week I dealt with just generally, I said that God had requirements for each of these groups. First, last week I said the kings. God said, first, your king was supposed to be chosen by God. Second, He was supposed to be one of your own, not just Jewish, but one of the people who understood the people, not above the people. That's why God made the requirement for the king, and he says to the king, I want you to be humble, and I want you to realize that I'm over you, and you are just one of the brethren. And you're leading them, but I'm over you. God said to the king, don't you dare get too many horses or chariots. Well, all the nations wanted horses and chariots because for their strength, God says, no, no, you don't need horses, chariots. All you need is me. And we see throughout history, God defeated horses, chariots, armies with nobody, with trumpets, 
and, uh, and pitchers and, and nobody. God said to the king, no horses. You can have some, but, you know, I'm in charge. No money. Don't get amass great riches and power and pride because you'll, you'll divorce yourself from the people. It's got requirements for the king. Don't get many wives. They will get you in trouble. I'm not saying anything, women. The wives they didn't want him to have were the foreign wives in different nations where they would, like Solomon, built gods for his wives who were outside of Israel. They drew him away. God had requirements for the kings. God's second, I said last week, also had requirements for the priests. I mean, the kings were supposed to trust God, depend on him, not on their horses. They had to also, another requirement for the king is make a copy of God's word and read it to show God was in control. Second group was the Levites and the priests. And we learned the difference between Levites and priests. Not all Levites were priests, but all priests were Levites. And we can't go into that. But the Levites proved, the Levites proved that they loved God as a whole group. After Israel sinned with the golden calf with Aaron after Moses went up, all the tribe of Levi joined Moses. So God said, you're going to be blessed for that. So you're going to have a special, you're not going to have part in the lamb because you did something bad and I'm punishing you. But because you're for me and you sacrificed all, and you did everything, you have a special por- portion with me. The Levites put God first. The Levites sacrificed all for God. So God said basically to the Levites, you serve me. You don't have any portion in the land. I'll give you places to live. I'll take care of you. But you are for me. Special, special place that he had for the Levites. Now we get to the third group, and that's today. That's today. We get to the third group, which is the prophets. That's the prophets. This is a very, very important thing. Hearing God's voice. God said, your king who's humble, one of your own, will lead you. The priests, they'll represent you. They'll pray for you. They'll sacrifice. They'll do everything for you. Now, the third section is... I have to speak to you, God says. This is how I will speak to you, through the prophets. I, you need to hear my voice. You have to hear what I have to say. And God is going to raise up the third group, which is the prophets. They will hear, they will hear from God, and they will give God's message. The question is, out there, back in Israel, back today, there's many voices. There's many people talking. There's many messages. How are you to know which one is true? And God is going to focus today on his servants. What to hear, what to listen to. The prophets would hear from God and give it actually to the people. Now, you, I, I always show you, and I want you to keep in mind this picture. Picture a clock. Twelve, one, two. Now, you're looking the other way. Twelve. One, two, that's hard. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I don't know how they do that. But anyway, there's the clock. In the middle, leading the people is the king. Up at the top, number 12 is God. Number six is the people. Number three is the prophets. Number nine are the priests. Now, how do I get that? God speaks to, number three, the prophets. The prophets speak to the people. That's the job of the prophet. He hears from God. He tells the people what God said. The priest is number nine. He takes the prayers and concerns 
and the failures and the weaknesses of the people, and the priest goes to God for the people. That's really the difference when you think of it. A priest represents the people before God. The prophets represent God before the people. So now we're hearing, and God's focusing today on the third group, which is the prophets. What is the job of the prophets? The job of the prophets is to speak. So God is going to focus on them. Very, very important sections. Fill it in your outline, everyone. We should seek to hear God's voice. We should seek to hear God's voice through God's message in his word. We should seek to hear God's voice or his message. Oh, where is it? Oh, yeah. His voice through his message in his word. And really, if I can, there's three sections that's going to really, that God's going to deal with in this section of the prophets. One, he's going to say, reject the ways of the world, the way they want to speak to me and hear from me. The world has many ways of trying to reach God and go to God. God says, reject all that. Then God's going to tell you the true way that I speak to you. And then you can hear my voice. That's number two. And three is that when I do speak to you, test it. Test it. Reject the false ways. Accept the true way. Test even the true way. And that's what God's going to do in this little section. So follow along with me. Fill it in your outlines. One, we, should see, uh, we shouldn't seek false or wrong methods to hear God's voice. Now, I wrote down here in my little notes here. People look for the supernatural in many ways, all the time, all over the world. People are looking. They're looking for something. They reject the true, but everyone throughout all history, People are always looking to commune with the supernatural, to hear from God, to try to control God, and to, to force God's hand. Everyone wants to, I mean, I think if I asked everyone here, do you want to hear from God? No, I wouldn't mind hearing from God. You wouldn't know. What if God came down today and stood up here and spoke to you? Well, he happened to do that 2,000 years ago. But anyway, God does want to speak to us. But the world is looking for ways, shortcuts, different means and methods. The world doesn't want to just hear from God. We want to control God. We want to tell God what we want to hear from him. We, that, that's what most of the world wants. So, follow along. One, Israel was not to follow the other nations. The problem is, Israel did follow the other nations. And Moses is telling the Jewish people as they go into the land, Moses is saying to the Jewish people, don't you do what they do. They do it wrong. They do it evil. I hate what the world's doing. Israel, I will speak to you, but not the way they're doing it. Don't seek that. But Israel's weakness was, I like to be like everybody else. So, follow along. Israel, they did it. Israel, God is saying the the ways of the world, they're evil. They communicate with me wrong. They don't communicate with me right. They don't hear what I have to say. Actually, The ways of the world used immorality, sacrifice, everything they could to control God. And God says, don't do it like them. Follow along, Deuteronomy 18, verse 9. When you enter the land, again, everyone, now when you read the Bible, you hear this, everyone knows. Moses is talking to Jewish people the other side of the Jordan, in, in Jordan. And Moses is telling the Jewish people, I'm dead, I'm going. When you enter the land, get ready. It's a whole new world, Israel. When you enter the land, after I'm gone, when you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, you shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations. 
Israel, when you go into Israel, when you go, Jewish people, when you go into the land of Israel, there's nations in there. Don't imitate their way. What nations? Let me, if you want, write it down quick. You know, Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham, the third son, listen carefully, was not cursed. Many people in the world think Ham was cursed. He was not. I'm not saying anything about Ham, the meat. Anyway, Ham was not cursed. But his fourth son was. And though Ham did something wrong, God put a curse on his fourth son. He had three, four sons. The fourth one was a son by the name of Canaan. And in Genesis, you see God cursed that line. That was a wicked, evil line. He did something. Scholars don't know exactly what he did, but it's, he, God cursed the line of Canaan. Canaan, where did he wind up developing, going to? Everyone. Land of Israel. And in Canaan, they developed seven nations. Those nations were the, let me see if I can remember, Amorites, the Canaanites, and the Gergesites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Perizzites. Seven, okay, good. I wrote them down in case I forgot. But anyway, there were seven nations. These seven in the land of Israel now, people have such trouble, trouble with this. When God says, go in the land, destroy them all. Listen carefully. These seven were more wicked than all the other cultures. They were the worst. God said these seven and their children and everyone in those cultures were a cancer. They will destroy Israel. They will destroy the Jewish people. They will destroy the worship of God. You must cut it out. You can make agreement with other nations outside, but not in the land. Those were wicked, wicked nations. And so they communicated with their gods their way. And they tried to control and manipulate their gods their way. And God said, when you go in, no, nah, no, nah, guys, don't do it the way they're doing it. That's the context here. So let's go on. I'm having a good time up here. I don't know about you. Anyway, so their practices were evil. Verse 10, look what he says. There shall not be found anyone among you who makes a son or daughter pass through the fire. Well, easy. That's what they did. They sacrificed their children, son and daughter, in fire to their gods. God says, don't you do that. Why did they do that? It was a form of controlling God. It was a form of uh, foretelling the future. It was a form of magic. They wanted to control, and they figured this is the ultimate sacrifice. You see, they didn't follow God. They did their own thing, and it wound up horribly evil, sacrificing their own children having immorality and orgies and horrible things. That's what they, not you, Israel. You're not to control me. See, it was, it was a confrontation. God was saying they want to control God, but God says to Israel, I will tell you what to do. Don't be like them. They're not communicating with me. And so he says, they do these things for magic and to control. They're denying God. So let's look what else he says. Verse 10, there shall not be found anyone among you who makes a son or daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination. Stay away from divination. Now, the word actually means to seek to determine God's will by examining signs and wonders and omens, looking at the heavens, the skies, the earth, and planning things that way. That's they're using divination. Why? I'll tell you why. They wanted to do control God, and they wanted to control the people. It's all a matter of control. And sovereignty. God is telling Israel, I'm your master. I'm your Lord. Who do you want to follow? Don't use divination like them. What else? Verse 10. 
Don't put your children through the fire. Don't use divination. And, or anyone who practices witchcraft. Stay away from witchcraft. Speaking to some people, huh? I don't know. Witchcraft. Now, the witchcraft meant to cast a spell, to bind somebody. Cast or bind their gods, but bind the people by magic. It meant denying God and, again, being in control. I find religions control people. I find preachers control people. I find people want to be controlled by others. God says, seek me. You're not supposed to use any other means, including witchcraft. They all did. They burned their children in the fire. They used divination. They used witchcraft. He goes on. Don't do uh, anyone who practices witchcraft, he says, or anyone who interprets omens or a sorcerer. Omens meant to tell the future based on signs. They studied birds. They studied fire. They studied rain. And they controlled people. And people looked up to these as if they were godly and spiritual people. And people listened to them because they said, God must be speaking to them. And they were controlling God. Sorcery. Sorcery means to control people and circumstances from the power of spirits or demons. That's who they were communing with. And God says they do it all the wrong way. It's all a matter of controlling God and controlling people. Israel, you are not to do that. And God is warning them. They are not communicating with me. I'm not communicating with them either. He goes on, finally, verse 11. Don't, uh, or anyone who casts a spell or a medium or a spirit or one who consults the dead. We have people who do that today. It's called necromancy. That means they're communing with dead people. They're not communicating with dead people, folks. Who are they communicating with? Evil demons. Why are they trying to talk to spirits? Why? Well, one, they want to control people's lives. Two, they want to show they have power. They want to show they're someone special. That's what the nations did. God says, not for you. I'm the one who speaks. And they are not supposed to. That's what they did. God says, don't do that. King Saul, he wanted to hear from God. God didn't speak to him anymore. So what did he do? He went to a spirit. He went to a demon. We can't communicate with dead people, folks. You're only communicating with demons and devils and evil spirits. Now, I know some of you think, wait a second. Saul did communicate with Samuel. That's true. God made an exception. He did. Unfortunately, Samuel's message to Saul was, you're dead. Anyway, so the next day, he died. But as a whole, you don't communicate with other dead people. God doesn't allow it. He made except he brought up Samuel and said, no, no, Saul, you did bad. He says, but no one's talking to me. He said, and Samuel from the dead said, so why are you trying to get me? I'm enjoying myself with God. What are you bothering me for? And Saul says, because no one's answering me. Samuel says, all right, I'll answer you. Tomorrow you're dead. Oh, that's not good. Anyway, so you don't communicate with dead. Number, uh, follow along with me in verse 10. God saying to them, there shall not be found among you anyone who makes a son or daughter pass through the fire. Don't use divination. Don't use witchcraft. Don't use omens or sorcery. And then he said, oh, I'm sorry, verse 11 already. Don't cast a spell or a medium or a spiritist or one who uh, calls up the dead. Verse 12, for whoever does this, 
whoever does these things is detestable to God. Listen carefully. If you're trying to communicate with God in any way except from the right way, which I didn't tell you was the right way to hear from God, it's wrong and God hates it. There's a right way to hear from God. If you're doing it any other way, any superstition, any other method or means that the world uses, God hates it. He despises it. I didn't give you answers yet. I usually do. I'm not. Okay. And it says, God hates it. Um, it's detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable things, the Lord your God will drive them out before you. God kicked out the Amorites, Canaanites, Gergesites, Hittites, Hivites, Jebusites, Perizzites. God kicked them out of the land and brought Israel into the land. And God hates it. It's the wrong way. They were forgetting God and doing their own thing. In verse 13 and 14, this little section about reject the world. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. Do it right. I will speak to you. Do it right. For those nations you shall dispossess, you'll kick them out. They listen to those who practice witchcraft diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to be different. Don't be like the world. Don't be like the nations. Don't be like everybody else. You have something different. For us, it's different. We have a better and a different way, which I haven't told you yet. So fill it in. Letter B. Let's make the application. God spoke to Israel. God speaks to us. We shouldn't seek other ways, the ways of the world, to hear from God. We shouldn't seek those. I could open it up and we could have had a good dialogue and you could tell me all kinds of ways that the world speaks or thinks God's speaking to them. And I wrote down a couple. You always hear it. This is the way God speaks to most people in the world. Palm readings. You go through the spectrum. Astrology. Astrology is from the devil. You should flee from it. Listen, I know I'm extremist. I always have been extremist. I don't open a fortune cookie. Come on, you're being absurd. Yeah, I know. Right? On the paper, if you go to the astrology side, I pass over that. I won't even take a peek. Someone says, what's your sign? I said, I don't do it. I'm not even mentioning it. It's evil. We laugh, but it's evil. It's true. I'm not rebuking you. Uh, It's just wrong. I'm sorry. I do open a fortune cookie because it's too big to put the whole thing in my mouth. But anyway, so I throw away the fortune and put the cookie in. Anyway, it's evil. You stay away from anything that hints that God is speaking to you. God doesn't want to speak to you that way. He doesn't want to put it in your mind. Palm reading, fortune, astrology, fortune telling, signs. It's a sign. There's no signs. That's, forgive me, friend. It's stupid. Don't look for signs. I'm not allowed to use that word in our house. Okay, that's the S word. Uh, Mysticism, Kabbalah. Get away from these things. These are ways. Listen. To manipulate God. You don't want to manipulate God. God wants to speak to you, but not through signs and wonders like that. No, no, no. And what else did I write down here? Religious. Don't become religious. Cults. Cults. Some people love cults. They like someone. Tell me what to do. Tell me what God says. I'll follow you anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll take a capsule. I'll jump off. I'll do anything. People are looking to think God's speaking. He's not. People want tricks. Magic. Religions. People want to hear from God. I'll do good things. I'll do real, real good things. Anything you want, Lord. If you just get me through this one thing, I'll, do, I'll, I'll, do, I'll be a good person if you speak to me. They say, let's hear what the rabbi has to say. He must hear from God. 
Not always, folks. The, uh, the pastors, preachers, people, I know what people like to do. I want to hear from God. So they open up the Bible and point to a verse. And you think you're hearing from God. So you've heard the story. I want to know God's will. You open up the Bible, point to a verse. And Judas went and hanged himself. <laughs> open up again. Go and do likewise. So you don't use the Bible for that. Be careful, even in the Bible. We look the wrong ways. People get desperate. They want to hear from God. King Saul was desperate. So people want money and food and jobs and positions. And so they get desperate and they cry out to God. There's a concept in the Bible. Concept in the Bible. The person who is desperate, who's always seeking God, who loves God, God speaks to you. The person who is desperate, who has rejected God, and lives his life his own way, God doesn't speak to them. I see that all the time. I read through the Bible. There's a lot of verses. Look, look what it says here. Proverbs 1. Because I called you, God speaking, you refused. I stretched out my hand, but you didn't pay attention to me. You neglected all my counsel. You neglected all my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. We don't like to hear that from God. God said, you rejected me your whole life, and now you're crying out in desperation. You're not desperate. You just want a quick fix. God says, I'll laugh at it because you don't really want me. The person who desperately wants God, he speaks. The person who's just desperate, he does not. I will mock when your dread comes. I'm not going to do it because you don't want me. You've rejected me. When your dread comes and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come on you, Proverbs 1, keep going, 28. Then you will call on me, but I won't answer you. I feel bad for the rest of the world. I do. They're in such desperate needs, and they're looking. They want to hear from God, and they cry out desperately. I said, nah, they're not really crying out to God. It's, Saul cried out to God. The Philistines are coming. Philistines are there. They're ready to kill me. God, won't you answer me? Nothing. The king of Israel. God didn't answer him because he didn't want God. And that's, that's, a, that's a whole concept in the Bible. It says, you hated knowledge. You hated, you didn't choose the fear of the Lord. They would not accept my counsel. They spurned my reproof. So they shall eat of the fruit of their own way. You'll get your results. Verse 12 in Job. Job says, there they cried out, but he doesn't answer because of the pride of evil men. God stays silent to those who don't want him, folks. Surely God will not listen to an empty cry, nor will the Almighty even regard it. Psalm 18, 41, they cried for help, but there was none to save, even to the Lord, but he didn't answer. You want God to speak to you? Live for him, serve him, desperately seek him. He'll, you'll hear from him. Isaiah 1. So when you spread out your hands to me, Israel, in prayer, I'm going to hide my eyes from you. Seems good. Israel, spread out. Lord, please, please, please help us. I'll hide my eyes from you. Even though you multiply players, I will not listen. Your hands are stained with, covered with blood. I am not going to speak. Jeremiah 11, 11, Therefore thus says the Lord, Behold, I'm bringing disaster on them, and they will not be able to escape. Though they will cry to me, I will not listen to them. This is a loving, merciful God. Of course he is. 
Those who desperately want him, he will speak and bless. Those who are just desperate, he will not. Because you rejected him. You don't want him. God knows the difference. I don't. But God does. Finally, Ezekiel 8, 18. Therefore, I indeed, it says, I indeed will deal in wrath. My eye will no, have no pity, nor will I spare, though they cry in my ears with a loud voice. Yet I will not listen to him. See, the whole world is seeking God the wrong way. They're seeking to hear. The world wants to get a hold of that supernatural. The world wants God to speak. Not really. They want to control God. They want to do, God, this is what I want, so please answer me. If you're loving, you'll do what I say. Delight yourself in the Lord. Anyone ever hear that verse? Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. People use that all the time. If I delight myself in the Lord, God's going to give me anything I want. You're not listening to the verse properly. If you delight yourself in God, he'll put his desires on your heart, and you'll follow him. It just doesn't give you anything. But most of the world, that's the way we want to control God. Let's move on. Number two, we should seek then. I said, don't do it the wrong way. Let's do it the right way. We should seek God's messenger and voice. That's what we want to hear. We want to hear the messenger of God. We want to hear the voice of God. Don't you? I do. I cry out every morning to him. Lord, I want to hear your voice today. I want to hear you speak to me today. In your word, in prayer. I want to hear you. We should. Israel. Follow Israel. Israel was to listen to the true prophet. That's how God would speak to Israel. The true prophet. Follow along. Verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. Moses is about to die. And he's telling the Jewish people, God's going to raise up a prophet to speak to you like me. Moses is the perfect picture He's one of the perfect pictures of Yeshua. Samuel was another. Moses was like a king. Not the king, but he was like a king. Moses was a prophet. Number three, God spoke to Moses. Moses spoke to the people. Moses was like a priest. He represented, number nine, he represented the people to God. Moses was one of the few exceptions who was like a prophet, priest, and king. Samuel was another one. He was a prophet, priest, and a king as well, or a leader, or a judge, whatever. Same thing, okay? So there are some types of Yeshua. So Moses says, God's going to speak to you through a prophet like me from your countrymen. You will listen to him. Ah. You get the picture? Don't sacrifice my children. Don't use divination. Don't use witchcraft. Don't use sorcery. Don't use omens. Don't use signs. Where do I go? The prophet will speak to you. And you better listen to him. That's what God says to Israel. I will speak to you. God wants to speak. You shall listen to him. This is according to all that you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, this is what they said, let me not again hear the voice of the Lord my God. Let me not see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they have spoken well. Context, everyone. That verse is a very important verse. Moses is taking them back 40 years to Mount Sinai when God was burning on the, uh, in the clouds and the fire, and the lightning, and the, everything. Okay. Storm going on at Mount Sinai. And the people were down there. And God, and God was up there, up in the mountain. And the people said, we're going to die. We can't make it. Moses, go for us, please. You go to God. Let God speak to you. You come back and tell us. We'll follow you. 
And Moses and God said, you did good. That's the purpose of the prophet. God would speak to the people through the prophet. When Jewish people say to me, you need an mediator. You need someone in between. Of course we all do. We always have. You need a prophet to speak to you. You need a priest to represent you. Moses was that figure. That's what this verse is referring to 40 years earlier. They did good. They needed a prophet. They needed a priest. They needed a king. The whole concept of the office of the prophet was that God would speak to them, the prophets, and the prophets would speak to the people, and the people would do what God said. That's what Moses is saying here in this verse. They would do what God said. Look at me. Do I have it up there? Second Chronicles 20. Please. 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 No. No. Second Chronicles 20. No. We don't have it because I forgot to tell him. Thank you. I'll read it. Okay. Thank, don't worry. No one's... Uh, it's me. It's on me. Um, Second Chronicles 20, the king Jehoshaphat... I forgot. I didn't tell them to put it in. Jehoshaphat, the king, was going out to battle against the enemy. And the enemy was very, very big and very, very strong, and they didn't stand a chance. And God told Jehoshaphat, go out to the battle... And you will have singers and dancers and uh, tambourines and trumpets. And you will go out to battle. And God says, I will fight for you. Listen to what the king said. And they arose early in the morning. And I went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood with all the people. You have to understand, here's the people of Israel. There's the enemy, millions of strong. They're about to kill Israel. And the king stands up and he said, listen. Jehoshaphat stood and said to the people, listen to me, O Judah. Listen to me, O inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord, in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Now listen carefully what he said. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. Because you'd hear from God. God would speak to them. Deuteronomy 18, 18. God says, I will raise up for you a prophet from among your countrymen like you. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet. In their mouth. He will speak them all that I command him. And it shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he will speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. God is going to speak to the Jewish people. He's going to speak to the prophet and the prophet are going to speak to the, uh, the prophet will speak to the people. God speaks to the prophet. The prophet speaks to the people. And God says, you should listen to what the prophet says. He has the words of God. Now, I want to give you another concept in the Bible. From that, from Moses, Deuteronomy, 3,500 years ago, what God was saying to the Jewish people, and he's saying to us, I will raise up a prophet, small p. That prophet will be my representative, Moses. Maybe Joshua, Samuel, Elijah and Elisha, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. God says, I will always raise up a prophet, little prophet. He will speak for me and you will listen to him. But in Israel, they always believed the little prophet stood for the big prophet, capital P. All the prophets were a picture of the future. We know that, and I'll show it to you in a minute. All the little prophets did their job, but they were a type of picture of the prophet yet to come. These prophets would speak for God, but there's going to become a prophet who will really speak for God. 
Follow along. The end of the book, what Moses says, Deuteronomy 34. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died. We'll get to it. He died there in the land of Moab, other side of uh, the Jordan River. According to the word of the Lord, Moses died. The end of the book. We're not sure who wrote it. Could be Moses, wrote about his death, or it could be Ezra, a thousand years later. Since that time, no prophet has ever risen, has ever risen in Israel like Moses. That makes no sense if Moses or Joshua wrote it. That was a couple weeks ago. Since Moses died, no prophet has risen since Moses. Just a couple weeks later. Who is writing this? How long after? We're not sure. I personally believe Ezra edited the scriptures and put that in a thousand years later. That's my personal belief. Follow along. No one's risen since that time like Moses, who knew the Lord face to face for all the signs and wonders that Moses did, which the Lord sent to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his land. And it says, and for all the mighty power and for all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of the Lord. No one's ever risen. Now, that took place, everyone, 1,500 years BCE. Moses died, and whoever wrote this says, no prophet has risen. But there will always be prophets, and there always was prophets. So why 1,500 years later, when a man, a Jewish man by the name of Yochanan the Immerser is walking on the earth and doing all kinds of things and immersing people, and he's telling people to turn back to God, listen carefully, 1,500 years later, what they say, the Jewish community, John 1. They asked him, John, what then? Are you Elijah? Well, Elijah was supposed to come before the Lord. He said, no, I'm not Elijah. They said to him, are you the what? 1,500 years later, they're still looking for who? Big prophet. They had many prophets for 1,500 years. They're still looking for the prophet. See, all of Israel knew when Moses wrote this, he was speaking of the prophet to come. Who was that prophet? We'll find out. They asked him then, they said, why then are you immersing? If you're not the Messiah, you're not Elijah, and you're not the prophet. Who is this prophet to come, everyone? Let me see. We have a thing there. Ah, let's make a quick comparison, okay? Quick comparison. You see Moses in the middle and Yeshua on the right. And I don't have time to go into everything, but follow along. Enemies at the the birth of Moses, Egypt. They opposed the Jewish people. Yeshua was Rome. The king murdered all the babies in Moses' time. Murdered all the babies in Yeshua's time. Early years in Egypt was Moses. Early years of Yeshua was in Egypt. Moses was called out of Egypt. Yeshua was called out of Egypt. Forty days on Mount Sinai. Okay, I'm stretching it. Forty. Uh, well, no, Yeshua's in the wilderness. Forty days. Deliverer of Israel. Deliverer of Jews and Gentiles. Rejected. Moses was rejected the first time. Yeshua would be rejected also the first time. Accepted on his return. Moses was accepted. Yeshua will be accepted on his return. Moses was a prophet. He gave the law. Yeshua was a prophet. He explained the law. Moses was a priest. He prayed for the people. Yeshua was a priest. He prayed for all of us. Moses was like a king. He led the people. Yeshua will rule one day. Moses did all kinds of miracles, which confirmed who Moses was. Put your hand in here. Out comes leprosy. Put your hand back in, Moses. Out comes healing. Moses turned the water 
to blood. Yeshua comes, he touches the leper, they're healed. Yeshua turns the water to wine, like blood. Okay, all right. The deaf, Yeshua healed. The blind, Yeshua healed. All the miracles Yeshua does are what we call messianic miracles to prove who he is. No one ever did the miracle. That's why when it mentions the miracles, primarily in the book of John, it says this man was lame and hadn't walked, you know what it says, for 40 years. It makes it clear we, this man will never walk. So Yeshua walks up and says, get up. So he walks. Lazarus was dead. Anyone for how long was he in the grave? Anyone? Four days. Why does it say four? Because Jewish theology was if you're there three, you can still be raised. Four, it's too late. You're gone. It's purpose, he says. On the fourth day, Yeshua came. Yeshua did all the miracles to confirm. God, Moses says, will raise up a prophet like me. The real prophet is Yeshua. He's the one who speaks to us. Fill it in B. We should seek God's voice. Where are the prophets today, folks? Look up here. I am not a prophet. There are no prophets today. God used the prophets to give us the word of God. I wrote these words down. Listen carefully. We have an advantage. Our answer is not like the world. Listen carefully. There are no shortcuts to hearing from God. I'm sorry, that's the way it is. There's no shortcuts. If you want to hear from God, you got to be in his word. Oh, no, don't tell me that. Yeah, it's true. If you're not in his word and you think you're hearing from him, most likely you're not. If you're in his word, he will speak to you. That's how God speaks. We're different than the rest of the world. There's no shortcuts in hearing from him. How do we hear? You got to get up every day, no matter what, and read the word of God. Whether you go on vacation and you go to France, you open up the Bible. If you go to Vietnam, you open up the Bible. It kills me when I hear some of you say, we went on vacation. Oh, we forgot to bring our Bible. Like it's cute. It's not cute. I don't want to wait a week to hear from God. I have to hear from him every day. And there are no shortcuts, folks. Say, well, I'll be spiritual and godly, and I'll just pray. I don't need to read the Word. Well, you won't be spiritual. You're not spiritual and godly. You're doing your own thing. There are no shortcuts. God gave us the Word to hear from Him. Yeah, he can speak outside the Word. He can just confirm the Word. Look what it says, just a couple of verses. We've heard it a few weeks ago. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. As a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the Word of God. You must be in it every single day. There are no exceptions. Paul writing to young Timothy, you, however, continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of, knowing that from whom you've learned them, that from childhood you've known the sacred writings. Your parents, Eunice, Lois, they taught you this. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, all scriptures God breathed. He sent it to you. It's profitable for teaching. Reproof, correction, training in righteousness. You want to hear from God? You want to know God's will? You read his word. Don't tell me you don't have time. Don't tell me you're too busy. Everyone's got the same 24 hours. So that the man of God or woman might be adequate, equipped for every good work. Second Peter. So we have the prophetic word, the word of God, made more sure than any kind of vision or dream or feeling or emotion to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. 
couple quick verses. Psalm 119. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all day. I hope it is. I hope it is. Your commandments, God, they make me wise. Wiser than everybody. For they're ever mine. Your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. Do we believe it? This should lead your life. The word. Those who love your law have great peace. Nothing causes them to stumble. Psalm 19, the precepts, God's word. It's right, rejoices the heart. Commandments of the Lord is pure. It opens your eyes. They're more desirable than gold. Yes, than fine gold. Sweeter than honey from the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by, your, uh, by them your servant is warned. And keeping them there is great reward. One, don't seek the ways of the world. Two, seek the true way. Three, test what you hear is what God tells them. Follow along. Number three, we should seek to test the voices we hear. Please, everyone, I tell you, don't believe me. You're just stuck here on Saturday. And I'm going to tell you what I think the Bible says. Test me. I don't mind. I don't mind you go home and read the Word of God yourself. Test me. Study the Word of God for yourselves. That's what you need to do. Israel was to test the message and the messenger. There was two tests. Follow along here. Two tests that God had for Israel. First test. When you hear someone, God's going to say to Israel, when you hear someone say something, and even if it comes true, but they tell you, don't worship the Lord your God. Make a graven image. Take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Seek another God. I don't care what miracle it is. Don't believe it. Don't be afraid of that person. Actually, they were supposed to kill that person. We can't do that today because we're not under that law. So we can't kill them. We are under a different economy, administration, different time. But there's an application for that. God says, don't listen. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of those people. Look what God says to Moses. But the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously I looked that up presumptuously. It means to be brazen, arrogant, go beyond the accepted norms and limits of what's proper. Those who speak presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And we see, which we looked at a few weeks ago in chapter 13, if a prophet or dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or wonder. Amazing. It's amazing. A sign or wonder. It says, and the sign or wonder, even if it comes true concerning what he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods whom you have not known. Let us serve them. But he just did a great miracle. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer. For the Lord your God, he's testing you to see if you really love him with all your heart and soul. But that prophet, that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. Anyone who tells you to turn away from God, the passage does tell you, anybody, your husband, your wife, your children, anyone, they shall be put to death because he is, he is counseled rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. He redeemed you from the house of slavery. They're trying to seduce you away from the way of the Lord your God who commanded you to walk. So you shall purge the evil from among. First test. No matter what the miracle, no matter how powerful, if they tell you don't worship God, reject them, Israel. Second test, Deuteronomy 18. You may say in your heart, how do I know? 
How do I know the word which the Lord has spoken or not spoken? How do I know what's true? Second test, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not come about or come true, the thing which the Lord has not spoken, that prophet who spoke it presumptuously, you shall not be afraid of him. Don't believe him. Don't trust him. Don't fear him. He's not speaking if it doesn't come true. Now, there's a great little comical story. I, I'll mention it here. Jeremiah 28. Jeremiah 28, the Jewish people were being taken captive to Babylon. And they were taken captive to Babylon. And one of the prophets by the name of Hananiah comes and says to the Jewish people, listen, God's taken some of you captive. You're only going to be there two years. And then God's going to free you and take you back out. And it's a real funny scene because like all the people where you are, and Hananiah is saying, no, 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 people, don't worry. I know. You went to Babylon. You're coming back. Two years. Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, they're dead. And right next to Hananiah is Jeremiah the prophet. And Jeremiah is listening to him. And Jeremiah says, amen. Good. May it happen. May it come true. Hananiah. That's the scene. Jeremiah 28. Look what it says. Thus says the Lord God of hosts, God of Israel. This is what Hananiah says. I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. This was his message to the people. Within two years, Israel, you're coming back. And all the vessels in the Lord's house, they're coming back. Nebuchadnezzar, the king who took, the, took away from this place and carried you to Babylon. And Jeremiah says, amen. Hananiah, right on. We're coming back. That's good. I don't know, a month or two goes by. Jeremiah speaks and he says, the prophet who prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophet comes to pass, that prophet shall be known as one who God has sent. All of a sudden, Jeremiah is there saying, then Jeremiah, the prophet, said to Hananiah, the prophet, listen now, Hananiah, I remember two months ago, I said, amen. The Lord has not sent you, Hananiah. You are a liar. And you're causing the people to trust in a lie that will not take place. Because Jeremiah found out they were going for 70 years, not two. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I'm about to remove you. All the people are there. Hananiah is there. Preaching that. Jeremiah says, you are a liar. That's not true. God's not sent you. God's going to remove you from the face of the earth. Great confrontation. And Jeremiah says, I'm about to remove you from the face of the earth. And you're reading the story. It's okay. That's interesting. This year you're going to die. That's a bold prediction, Jeremiah. You might die if it doesn't take place. Because you have counseled rebellion against the Lord, last verse in the chapter, so Hananiah the prophet died in the same year, in the seventh month. God took his life. God removed him. Test the spirits, folks. Finally, conclude B, everyone. We should test the message and the messenger of God. We should test everything that I say. I don't care if we differ on a lot of different issues. I really don't. When you hear different people speak things, we're going to differ. There's differences in the Bible. Some of you think we should observe the law of Moses. I don't. I have reasons to believe why we shouldn't. You want to, that's fine. I don't think we're under that law. I don't mind if you disagree with me. I really don't. I believe there's a rapture coming. It's going to come after the seven years of tribulation. I'm convinced of it. I've studied it. Some of you don't. Some of you say, ah, it might come before. Yeah, uh, that's what I believe. Some say it might come during. Some say it might come after. Some say it's partial. 
I don't mind if you disagree with me. I really don't. There's all kinds of... Some of you think we should be speaking in tongues. Some of you don't. All right. We disagree. But if you tell me that Yeshua is not God, you are a false prophet. Test the spirits. If you tell me anything but the Bible is the word of God, we're going to have trouble. You can believe it. Just don't say it here. If you tell me that salvation is by any other means, by grace through faith in Yeshua, we're going to have trouble. Test the spirits. Test what they say. Look at the person's life. Look at the fruit. Does it come forth from their life? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, whatever. Listen to that. If someone tells you, God spoke to me, I hear this all the time. You tell me this all the time. God spoke to me. I say to myself, ah, good, all right. Yeah, you, you. It's fine. God does speak. He speaks to me too. God speaks to you. That's good. They say, but then they tell me, well, God spoke to me for you. I say, oh, really? Good. Well, when he speaks to me, I'll let you know if it's the same. Don't believe them. People are always trying to manipulate and control God, control people. Test the spirits. Test their lives. See what they're doing. Test the fruit of their lives. See if they're teaching. We should seek to hear God's voice through his word. That's what we need to do. One, don't look for shortcuts. Don't look for shortcuts or false methods like the rest of the world does. Two, read and obey God's word. That's how God speaks today. And three, test the message and the messenger, both. God wants to speak. He wants to speak to us. And he puts guards. He put a guard on Israel, and he's putting a guard on us. Don't seek false methods. Seek God's word. And when you hear it from me or anyone, test the messenger and the message they give you with the rest of the Bible. Let's all bow for prayer. Father, thank you for your word, your message to Israel through Moses and through your word. We're just overwhelmed as you tell your leaders to be humble like the kings of Israel. We're to be humble and trust in you. To be like the priests who sacrificed all, put you first, and served you, and you took care of them. Help us to be, listen to the prophets, listen to the word of God, and then act upon it and follow it and obey it. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to Israel and for speaking to us. We commit this time to you, thanking you for this day. We worship you. We ask these things in Yeshua's name. Amen.